It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers made some decisions on player options and qualifying offers, plus the Gold Glove results are in, and we'll talk some about potential free agent targets. Let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. I am Jeff Snyder, Baseball Essential, and this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am flying solo today, but Vince should be back with me tomorrow. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, at least semi news that happened this weekend. So we're going to talk about uh, a few of those things the Dodgers uh, declined Joe Kelly's option, bought that out instead. Uh, they made the decision on qualifying offers. Gold gloves were announced. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about some of the, you know, a few names that have been bandied about either, you know, because we saw who other teams didn't pick up options are on or didn't make qualifying offers to, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, just kind of some stuff like that. So it's not quite news, but it's plenty Dodger stuff to talk about. And, uh, it's kind of it's kind of the fun stuff to talk about. I don't know. Like obviously, I'd rather be talking about baseball games, but you know, we we need a break from from actual games, I guess, once in a while. And and this stuff, the hot stove stuff, it's definitely more fun than when we're going to have to talk about labor strife issues later in the off season. So uh, you know, and of course, that's kind of the undercurrent of all this stuff. But uh, I I really enjoy this kind of stuff. This uh, the intrigue about who will they go after, who will they resign, who will they go, uh, you know trade for all that stuff. So uh, it should be fun. So I think the first, the big news to talk about, I guess, is uh, the qualifying offers. And the Dodgers had three players who are, uh, who were potential reasonable candidates for qualifying offers of their, of their 12 free agents. Uh, I think 10 of them or so were uh, maybe not even that many, but several were eligible for qualifying offers, but some of them like, Corey Knebel, you're not going to make an offer to him, even though he was very valuable. You're not willing to pay him 18 million bucks next year. Qualifying offer is 18.4 million. So really, the only three realistic possibilities on qualifying offers were Clayton Kershaw, Chris Taylor, and Corey Seager. Seager is a no-brainer, uh, absolutely. Uh, the other two, you know, were Kershaw was a little surprised, and I'll tell you what happened, and then I'll uh, we'll talk about you know my thoughts on why or what it means. Uh, the Dodgers made qualifying offers to Corey Seager and Chris Taylor. Uh, if you're not familiar with the qualifying offer system, I'll just explain it really quickly so you kind of understand what we're talking about here. Basically, the qualifying offer, it's an average of the highest however many player, paid players in baseball. And when you become a free agent, if you've never been made a qualifying offer before, your team can make a qualifying offer to you. So basically what the Dodgers are doing by offer, making the qualifying offer to Seager and, and Taylor is saying, we are offering you a one-year, $18.4 million contract. Uh, it, so 
Taylor and Seeger now have 10 days to decide and, and they have the option. They can say, I'll take it. And that means they're under contract next year for $18.4 million with the Dodgers. Uh, it doesn't happen very often for the first several years of the qualifying offer system. Nobody ever accepted one. There have been more in recent years, but uh, you know, that that's what the qualifying offer means. As far as what it means after that is if the Dodgers make a qualifying offer and that person ends up signing somewhere else in free agency, uh, it costs the, the signing team a draft pick and the Dodgers get a compensation draft pick, you know, a couple of rounds down They're They're not super valuable picks, but they're something. And so that's why teams make the offer uh, so that they can get some sort of compensation. If the player ends up signing elsewhere, if the Dodgers resign them, uh, you know, even if Seager and Taylor both reject the qualifying offer, the Dodgers can still resign them. And that is still, it, it kind of tilts the scales towards the original team because you know, say Corey Seager declines the the qualifying offer. The Dodgers are then the only team in baseball that can sign him without giving up a draft pick. Uh, and I guess they're giving up the compensation draft pick they would get if somebody else signed him, but that's not as high as the pick that they would uh, that they would get or they would give up if they signed a, a qualifying offer guy. So anyway, that's kind of the the system in a nutshell. Uh, Corey Seager was a no-brainer. He's going to make more than 18 million bucks in free agency. He's obviously not going to accept the qualifying offer. Uh, there was a time this year when he was struggling. I thought he might take a qualifying offer uh, or at least uh, agree to a, a shorter term, a one-year uh, contract to kind of make good. But he hit so well at the end of the season. His defense picked up. So I think he's going into free agency kind of as as in as good a shape as he can be. So there's no way he's going to take the qualifying offer. Uh, it was a little bit surprising that they didn't offer Clayton Kershaw a qualifying offer. Uh, I think that's probably right in the ballpark of what they're looking to pay him next year. And obviously they want him back. Uh, Twitter basically immediately jumped to a lot of speculation on why the Dodgers might not have, have made him a qualifying offer, whether it was uh, his elbow or arm is wor in worse shape than we thought, or, uh, or they're already working on an extension. And so there was no point. Uh, I don't know that either of those are actually the most likely. I, I think one thing that maybe it didn't get talked about as much, but uh, I saw it one or two places, but not nearly as much is it might be a, a respect thing. You know, if Clayton Kershaw wants to go play somewhere else, the Dodgers kind of said it's, it's kind of up to him. It's up to Clayton and Ellen what they want to do. And so if Kershaw decides he does want to go somewhere else, it might just be a respecting thing for the Dodgers to say, we're not going to limit your market by putting a qualifying offer on you. Uh, you know, in general, baseball teams don't work that way. You know, they, they, it's, it's dollars and cents. I do think it's a little bit different with Clayton Kershaw. And so it might be a, a gesture of goodwill if it's, you know, we're 85% sure we're going to resign him, but in the off chance that we don't, we don't want to hamstring his market by attaching the qualifying offer. It could be something like that. You know, it could be any of those things. It could be concerns about his elbow. It could be that they, they have a deal in the works. We just don't know as of the time I'm recording this on Sunday night. Uh, what we do know is that the Dodgers didn't make him a qualifying offer. And so he's going into free agency really for the first time in, in his career. He was kind of a free agent. He had the option to opt out uh, back after the 2018 season, I think it was. And uh, he basically, he kind of opted out, but the Dodgers and, the, and Kershaw reached an agreement on an extension that added another year to his to his contract. So. He never really hit free agency 
And so this is the first time he hit free agency and therefore the first time he was eligible for a qualifying offer. And one other thing I saw a speculation was that maybe the Dodgers are waiting and, and holding on if they do sign him to a one or two year contract and then do the qualifying offer after that. Cause you can only be issued a qualifying offer one time in your career under the current CBA, which is, you know, we don't know what the qualifying offer system will look like if, and when they do come up with a new CBA. Chris Taylor was a really interesting one though. Um, as far as the qualifying offer goes, just because the qualifying offer of $18.4 million, that's more than he's made in his whole career combined. And so I could see him taking the qualifying offer. That's a huge raise. It's a 12-ish million dollar raise over what he made this year, I think. Uh, and, you know, he he had a good year. He, he made the all-star team. It wasn't even his best year. And so, um, but that's kind of how baseball compensation works. You don't get paid necessarily on your, your, performance you get paid on your longevity your your seniority and your performance and so uh i don't know that taylor is going to get more than that obviously he'd get more than that on a long-term contract if he signs a you know if he signs a four-year 60 million dollar deal with somebody that's less per year than the qualifying offer but obviously 60 is more than 18.4 according to hashtag math um so there's reasons why taylor is unlikely to accept the qualifying qualifying offer but it wouldn't shock me if he accepted it because that's a crap load of money, you know, and with uncertainty about, about what's going on with the labor situation and everything, uh, stranger things have happened than Chris Taylor ex- accepting the qualifying offer. So that's where we're at right now. Seeger, no way. Taylor, maybe. And Kershaw wasn't offered a qualifying offer. So I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk about uh, the gold gloves and, and uh, the Joe Kelly uh, contract. Uh, what's the word option being declined by the Dodgers. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day and keep it Locked On Dodgers. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. Thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. We really appreciate it. We love talking Dodgers with you five days a week, and we are going to keep doing that all through the offseason uh, let's talk a little bit about Joe Kelly. The Dodgers declined Joe Kelly's option. It was a $12 million option, uh, with a $4 million buyout. So really it was $8 million, uh, $4 million. The Dodgers are paying either way. And, uh, the, the question was, do they want to pay him the extra 8 million and have him have them on the roster or not and not, and they chose not and not. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean Joe Kelly's tenure with the Dodgers is over. And it's kind of an interesting question. There was a lot of talk about that this weekend when, when that decision was announced that they weren't picking up his option because Joe Kelly's actually been a really good pitcher for the Dodgers. He uh, obviously he's getting older. He has some command issues at times. Uh, and, you know, his Dodger tenure started really bad. His first month or so as a Dodger, he was really, really bad since then. He's got a 264 ERA since then, after that first month or so, since, you know, the first week in May of 2019, since then he's got a a 264 ERA. 
uh, overall really good. You know, he still makes you nervous. Sometimes he, he has trouble throwing strikes, walks guys. He was better this year. Uh, and honestly, the version of Joe Kelly we saw in 2021, I would love to have back in 2022. I think my best guess, you know, we know that Joe Kelly likes playing on the Dodgers. He's a Southern California boy. Uh, I, I think there's plenty. I think there's mutual interest. And so uh, really it's going to boil down to, I think the Dodgers probably think they can get him for less than the $8 million. You know, he's, he's got the 4 million buyout. Um, I think they probably think they can sign him for five or $6 million a year uh, for a couple of years, maybe uh, bring him back. And, and I'm on board with that because Joe Kelly, he was really, really good this year. Uh, and even basically ever since that first month of 2019, like I said, his stuff is so good. He added that change up this year that at, at times, once he got command of it, it was a really good pitch for him. He uh, it added that weapon. When you throw a hundred miles an hour and you have a great curveball, and you you add in a changeup that's got basically the same movement as his hundred mile an hour fastball, uh, but it's you know fifteen miles an hour slower. It's a really good pitch, and so there there's a whole lot that Joe Kelly can do. Uh, I think one of the big question marks is his health. We know that he left his last playoff game with an injury, and there was you know talk about that, and that's you know the Dodgers had to make this decision right now on whether to uh, pick up his option. All the reports say that uh, Joe Kelly should be ready for spring training, but it does seem like there might be potential here for kind of an incentive-laden incentive laden contract where they say, okay, you know, we, we want you back, Joe, and, you know, let's do a $2 million base salary and with easily attainable uh, bonuses, incentives in the contract. So, you know, uh, every 20 games pitch, you get an extra half a million, but whatever it is, you know, so that if he is effective and healthy, he can make good money. Uh, and, and I think that's probably what, what we're going to end up looking at is some sort of incentive laden contract. I think Kelly will be back with the Dodgers. And I, I love the idea of having him back there. The Dodgers had a really good bullpen this year. He was a big part of it. And, uh, but there are some question marks, you know, obviously Corey Knable's a free agent, uh, Jimmy Nelson was a big part of that bullpen before he got hurt. Bruce Dark Gratterall, there's always that, the questions about him uh, as far as is he ever going to start missing bats. You've got guys like you know Phil Bickford, Alex Vestia, who you know, can they do it again a second year? And then there's other guys, you know, Victor Gonzalez, who couldn't do it a second year. Can he do it in his third year? Can, can he come back? Caleb Ferguson, how good is he, he going to be coming back from Tommy John surgery? Tommy Canley, he's going to finally be in the Dodgers bullpen next year, hopefully. How good is he going to be? So there's enough question marks that I think a guy, and then obviously the big question mark is Kenley Jansen even going to be there. So having a guy like Joe Kelly, who maybe uh, brings a little, seems weird to talk about Joe Kelly as a stability guy because of his health issues and his, his command issues. But just some of that, uh, you know, we, for the most part, when he's healthy, we can kind of know what to expect from Joe Kelly at this point. And so I, I like the idea of having him back. I, I think you can never have too much, bullpen depth. So uh, I think that's it for on, on the Joe Kelly talk really quick. Let's talk about gold gloves. And then in the last segment, I'll talk about a few uh, potential free agent targets that I've seen bandied about on social media uh, quickly on the gold gloves. The Dodgers had three gold glove finalists, which finalists just means they finished in the top three voting for their position. It was AJ Pollock and left Mookie Betts and right. And Max Muncy at first base. Of those, really the only one who you could make a good case for being deserving of it was was Muncie. Um, Betts didn't have uh, 
he wasn't as good defensively this year just because of the hip issues and everything. His range was diminished. Uh, you know, we saw obviously some spectacular throws from him and, and some other really nice plays. He made that play play in center field against the Padres where he, you know, uh, stole a game, you know, the walk-off diving catch uh, early in the season. You know, Mookie had some spectacular plays, but overall his body of work, I don't think he was a gold glove outfielder. A.J. Pollock, it was almost laughable that he was in the top three. Uh, kind of tells you everything you need to know about the gold glove process probably if you hadn't already figured that out from Derek Jeter's gold gloves. Um, you know, A.J. Pollock, he he was a solid defensive left fielder most of the time this year. Shouldn't have been anywhere near the gold glove uh, conversation, but he was. Max Muncy was probably the best defensive first baseman in, in the National League this year, except that because of health issues and just overall what went on with the Dodgers, he didn't play as much first base as Paul Goldschmidt did. And so uh, maybe uh, Muncy had the little edge on quality over Goldschmidt, but Goldschmidt had a pretty big edge on quantity. And it kind of, you know, just kind of the way the gold glove system is set up. We saw it with Kike Hernandez in the past where utility players just get the get the short straw because you you don't play enough innings at any one position to get a gold glove and that's why you know Paul Goldschmidt played 400 more innings at first base than Max Muncy did this year because Muncy played quite a bit of second base and a little bit of third base and you know as far as value to the team yeah that's a ton of value that Muncy's giving especially because he was pretty darn good at second base and third base too uh but it hurt his gold glove chances and you know, that's a bummer for him. Like, like I said, I don't know if you can tell from the tone of my voice, I don't put a lot of stock in gold glove awards because I think it's, you know, ever since uh, Rafael Palmero got, uh, I think he won a gold glove at first base in a year in which he played a total of like 16 games at first base. Everything else was as a DH, but he won it on reputation. There's always, you know, the way the voting is set up, I, I think it's at least as much on reputation. You see a trend pretty often where the better offensive players end up getting the gold glove award. Uh, you know, Nolan Arenado won a gold glove this year, despite, you know, he had a very down year defensively. He was still good, but not nearly as good as he's been in the past, but uh, he had a lot of home runs and has the name recognition. So it, it's his to lose until somebody has to really beat him out. And so, you know, the, it, it's kind of a, I, I don't know. I have a hard time getting too worked up about it, uh, especially in this case where I, I think the voters, you know, maybe even got it right. They definitely didn't get it wrong as far as first base goes. I understand the case for Paul Goldschmidt. I I don't think that Muncie would have been an undes- undeserving winner if he had won the gold glove, but I don't think Goldschmidt is either. So uh, Dodgers, no gold gloves, which honestly isn't that surprising when you look at their defense wasn't great this year. And uh, obviously you can have, poor overall team defense and still have individual standouts. Um, but in this case, man, Muncie was really their only standout defensive. Obviously Cody Bellinger is a great defensive center fielder and would have given Harrison Bader a run for his money on center field goal glove, except that Bellinger was hurt for most of the season. So, you know, it, it's a, uh, it is what it is. And it's not surprising that the Dodgers didn't win any gold gloves uh, maybe next year. And Muncie, Overall, I was happy to see Muncy's progress as a defensive first baseman, and that's good enough for me. Uh, and I hope that it's good enough for him. I do know that a lot of players do get really excited about winning gold gloves, and I'm sure Muncy would have been excited to win it, but I hope he recognizes the value he provided to the Dodgers and, and hopes he, hope he knows that we, the fans, uh, appreciate it, whether, whether the gold glove voters 
uh, award him or not. So that's it for the gold glove talk. I think I'd love to know your thoughts. If you agree, disagree, whatever, uh, we'll come back in a minute. I'm going to talk about some potential free agent targets I've seen bandied about on social media. I, first, I want to thank you again for making locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. Hope you will continue to do that throughout the off season because we will continue to be here for you throughout the off season. So keep it locked on Dodgers. Hey, I like Thanksgiving. If you're watching on YouTube, you can look at me and tell I like Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats, plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Just feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has over 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. They're low calorie, low carb, low fat, and high protein, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried Built Bar yet. There's new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, last thing uh, before we wrap this up for today. With the uh, the qualifying offer announcements on Sunday, the Dodgers weren't the only team. Every team had to make the decisions on who was getting qualifying offers. And there were some interesting uh, people who didn't. Uh, Notably, John Gray and Carlos Rodon, uh, Rodon from the White Sox and Gray from the Rockies. Uh, both of those guys, you know, Rodon wasn't totally surprising. John Gray was really surprising to me that he didn't get a qualifying offer. The Rockies probably should have traded him at the trade deadline, but they didn't. They held on to him and people said, well, at least they'll get draft pick compensation when he leaves them for agency. Now they're not even going to get that. Maybe that means that they're, they think they're going to resign him. Maybe they're already in the works to resign him. I don't know, but uh, it, you know, there's been talk that maybe, he is interested in staying there. Uh, I don't know. John Gray is a guy. I really like the idea of John Gray on the Dodgers. He's got really good stuff uh, getting him away from Colorado, even though he pitches well in Colorado. But I think, you know, away from Colorado, the atmosphere, like actual physical atmosphere, not, you know, the the intangible uh, clubhouse chemistry atmosphere. I mean, actual atmosphere of Denver uh, and get him with the Dodgers coaching staff. I think John Gray could be a very, very good pitcher. And I would really like to see him in Dodger blue. Like, no, no, this isn't one of those. I'd be interested to see, you know, it might be interesting if they could. No, John Gray. I want John Gray. I want John Gray to be a Dodger. Uh, bottom line. I think he'd be very good as a Dodger. Carlos Rodon wasn't as surprising that the White Sox declined the qualifying offer. He's a guy who uh, obviously had huge talent coming in. He was a very highly touted prospect. And he's had his moments. He threw a no-hitter for the White Sox recently. You know, he's had his moments where he's been, he's shown that that potential. Uh, he's a guy who obviously I don't think he'd be looking for nearly as much money as some of the the top free agent pitchers on the market. And he's a guy, you know, he's one of those who, I, yeah, it could be interesting. You know, seeing what the Dodgers could do with him. Uh, Rodon is one that uh, I am at least a little bit interested in. Another name that was that was kicked around, I think it was Joel Sherman reported that uh, the Dodgers are one of the teams interested in Andrew Haney. 
Uh, Andrew Haney was a Dodger for about a day back in 2015, I think, late 2015, when they traded for him. It was in the the trade with the Marlins when they sent D. Gordon and Dan Heron, I think, uh, and maybe oh, and uh, Miguel Rojas to the Marlins uh, in exchange for they got uh, Kike Hernandez and Austin Barnes and Chris Hatcher and Andrew Haney. There might have been a fifth guy, I don't remember. Um, and then the next day they flipped Haney to the Angels for. D. Gordon's replacement at second base, Howie Kendrick. And so Andrew Haney was a Dodger for a day. Then he went to the Angels. Uh, he's had his ups and downs. He's another guy who was a reasonably touted prospect and has just never really put it all together. And he was pretty darn bad in 2021. Uh, so if the Dodgers are really one of the teams interested in him, uh, I think it would have to be because they see something specific that they think they can fit. Andrew Haney isn't a terrible option as a fifth starter. Uh, we we don't know. It's such a weird situation with with starting pitching because two of the the big name free agent pitchers on the market are guys who are on the Dodgers twenty twenty one Scherzer and Kershaw. And so we don't know if the Dodgers are going to need to replace those guys or not, or if they're going to resign them. And so you know we don't know right now at this moment. We don't know how many starting pitchers the Dodgers have, so we don't know how many they're going to be going after. And, and and so Andrew Haney, he doesn't excite me, but it wouldn't shock me if the Dodgers went after him and, and had something specific in mind that they thought they could fix and maybe turned him into a useful starter. Stranger things have happened. Uh, he doesn't excite me. John Gray excites me. Uh, so if you got to pick between John Gray and Andrew Haney, I know you're paying John Gray a lot more. I don't care. It's worth it. It's not my money. So it's easy for me to say, uh, but I like John Gray. One, one last guy. We had a question from a listener. It was Gavin Deluhosh who uh, asked about Nick Castellanos from the Reds. He's a free agent, uh, and and he was he, he's a really good hitter. He was good with the Tigers. Uh, he was really good with the Reds this year. It, it was kind of interesting. He uh, actually had huge platoon split, uh, not platoon, uh, home road splits, which is weird for a guy. Obviously, Cincinnati is an easier place to hit, but Castellanos has had success at other with other teams in the past, and so – He's not a guy you would expect to be like a, a home cooking kind of guy, uh, but he definitely was a lot better in Cincinnati than than on the road. Um, and, and so what, what Gavin asked, he he said, you know, do the think the Dodgers will make a play for Castellanos, especially if Seager signs elsewhere, he can play third and the outfield. No idea how good a fielder he is, so there's some flexibility there. And you know, yeah, if we're looking for defensive flexibility, Castellanos does have some of that. Uh, the, the problem is, and, and Gavin and I went back and forth a little bit this uh, in, in DMs, his defense, while flexible, is not – I think that's the only positive adjective you can say about his defense. Uh, he, he used to be a bad defensive third baseman, and then they moved him to the outfield, and he's pretty bad there, but it's easier to hide a guy in right field or whatever. Uh, and so uh, he's not good defensively. And so he's not really actually going to bring that defensive flexibility. Yeah, I guess in a pinch, sure. Uh, shift him to third base, you know, because we had to do a double switch. Although double switches hopefully will be a thing of the past because hopefully the, the universal DH will be in place. Um, but, you know, you yeah, you can move him to third base in a pinch. But really, if you have Nick Castellanos, uh, he's probably going to be your DH most of the time. And, and it's more of a... You know, I guess I could see, okay, well, we'll give Justin Turner the day off his feet today so he can DH, so we'll put Castellanos at third or put him in right field and put, you know, whoever at third. Yeah, I 
there's that defensive flexibility, but he is not a defensive asset. And so Dodgers have to be pretty confident in his offense in order to go after him. I think he's a very good hitter. And I think he's a guy, you know, right-handed hitter in the middle of that Dodgers lineup who could do a lot of damage and could really, uh, you know, solidify that lineup against left-handers and not that he'd only play against left-handers I'm saying, but that's one of the Dodgers weaknesses against lefties. And so uh, I, I think, there's a lot to say about Nick Castellanos that I, I don't hate the idea that Dodgers going after him. Obviously, it would depend on what he's looking for, uh, dollars wise, years wise, all that. Uh, but you know, I, I don't hate the idea, and some of that's going to come down to the CBA. You know, is the DH in place? Uh, you know, what happens with Corey Seager, et cetera, et cetera, all those things. So, but Nick Castellanos is definitely a, a name to keep an eye on here in in free agency. JD Martinez uh, accepted or is oh he he didn't opt out of his contract with the red sox he had an opt out and he didn't take it and so that's one potential dh off the market and castellanos might be you know a beneficiary of that jd martinez decision so uh, we'll see what happens but uh you know there, there's going to be plenty of names we're going to spend a lot of time this offseason talking about specific names like this of you know guys who are being talked about and what they might bring to the dodgers so uh, today is just kind of a, a, a glimpse of that what we have coming up in the future uh, we, we still have, uh, that's going to do it for today, but we still have plenty of questions from our mailbag episode from last week. We'll get to more of those this week. We appreciate that. Uh, continue. If you have specific questions, comments, things you want us to talk about, feel free to shoot them over to us anytime you want. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. And now for your second listen, go check out Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Aram Layton is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available on all platforms. Uh, if you aren't listening every day, please add one or two days a month to your uh, rotation. If this is your first time ever listening or watching, thanks for being here. I hope you come back. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or texts is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.